Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. Patrick Cullen is my name, and I am, of course, your everlasting host. Folks, you may remember that in our previous episode, I was all like, I'm putting the podcast on hiatus. I'm not doing it. I'm really tired. Ba 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 And um, listen, that turned out to be the right decision for me. I had a wonderful Christmas and New Year, and I really hope you did too. Uh, the thing is, though, the series against India turned out to be freaking incredible so <laughs> you know i uh i think i cooked that i think i probably made the wrong call but what, what are you gonna do uh life goes on so listen um i was thinking about this and in the wash up of it i really just wanted to talk to somebody who i thought would be uh caring and uh interested and uh, as excited about it as i was and i could think of no one better than our indian correspondent jai singh so i gave him a call and had a chat and gave him the opportunity to uh rub it in my face so to speak you know the fact that australia lost at the gabba for the first time in 32 years and um india smashed us in a test series on our own turf which hurts on the inside but there's so much more to it than that um i'm gonna cut to it now this is my conversation with jai singh from yesterday what a time Jai? Patrick, I can hear you. Oh, what a treat. What a dream. My it's amazing, isn't it? And it's, it's nice to see a little bit of diversity on the, the Two for None studio for once. Oh, exactly, mate. Exactly. You've always got two white males and at the moment it's one and a half. So <laughs> all steps, my friends, all steps. <laughs> Listen, Jai, that's something I've been really conscious of and I've uh, not been doing a great job of. Kind of just like the Australian top order, really. Um, you think it'd be something you'd get on top of, but uh, you know, you got to sort of keep trying to get better, mate. Um, you, really, you can only put the people on the team who apply. You can only um, go with what you've got. Well, exactly, exactly right. Isn't that the truth, mate? Really nice to hear your voice. You must be over the freaking moon, jar. You must just be in a state of pure elation. Surely, I'm in. A, I'm in a state of shock, and I'm also. I've also got some mixed feelings. I must say, I'm. I'm celebrating, obviously, but I'm also eating humble pie because I had to walk back some of my comments in the early stages of the tour. Do you want me to to run you through my <laughs> my best off? <laughs> Go on, I'd love that. So before the series, I said that India can't win against Smith and Warner when they're at full strength. So it was pretty much pointless after Kohli left the first test. Yes. So I'm not from one so far. And just on that. Jai, that was largely the basis that I decided not to run two for none this year. Like, I thought this test series was a foregone conclusion and a half. Um, And I was completely wrong about that. They're calling it, like, the best series ever. Um, I think they're comparing it to the West Indies with the tired test in 1960, that that tour, which is a big call. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm going to put myself in for some humble pie there too and say no beef fat. As a cricket broadcaster, I absolutely cooked it. So we, I don't think anyone could have picked that, though. I was looking forward to this series for two years and then pretty much just lost all interest with all the injury uh, pullouts before the tour started. 
Yeah, yeah, completely, man. I, it's it's kind of unfathomable. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Let's let's keep yeah. going on your list here. I feel All like right. you have some. So my second one. So my my peak pessimism was after the second ODI, mm. after Steve Smith had hit his two blistering tons. My comments there were: India won't win a match or tour, and this is the worst touring performance by India since 1999 when they got whitewashed. <laughs> Hadn't happened yet. I was already putting the nail in the coffin, though. <laughs> Great. Good to see you saw that iceberg looming dead ahead, Mr. Singh, yeah. and thought, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, was, I, I was then feeling quite smug about my lack of faith after the first test, um, and I said, the only way to save face would be to call off the tour and go home so it doesn't get any worse. Yeah, and justifiably, like, you get yeah, rolled for 36. I think I was... I was I was on the button at that point. <laughs> and then and then the world just went weird because it's 2020. Yeah. It's my only explanation. Well, I I kind of it's like we say it's kind of unfathomable, but I I've can't stop thinking about a Jinka Rahane, and I know that's a weird mm. thing to say, but I really can't, mate. Like his Don't worry, I here. I've had the, I've had the odd fantasy about him as well. <laughs> <laughs> what an incredible thing here you know to step into a team that has lost its talisman and its best player in yeah. Virat is like comp- it's like taking over the Titanic it's hit the iceberg it's cracked in half it's going down the band is still playing obviously and he says no we're going to forget about this and we're going to get this ship home and they just like never ever gave up like or even thought they were out of the contest. And they kept pulling these yeah. players out, Jai. Like, bloody Washington Sunder, you know, I, I, it comes in and bowls his first ball to Steve Smith. And I was like, that is an absolute <laughs> pie. Oh, no, it's got a wicket. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, incredible. It's this, it's this young India. So, for me, the defining image of the whole series came very late on. And it's Washington Sunder. He's a debutant. He's a bowling all-rounder. He's 21. He hasn't played a first-class match in three years. He's facing Pat Cummins, top bowler in the world. I think at the, that stage, Pat Cummins had four for 44 from 27 over, something ridiculous like that. And Washington Sundar plays a Caribbean-style hook, front leg in the air, <laughs> and deposits him into the crowd. And India surged towards the highest ever chase at the Gabba and Australia's first test defeat at the ground for 32 years. It's like a miracle. I mean, but it felt so natural as it was happening. Because there was such belief in the team. It was, weirdly, it felt like the roles had been reversed. Like, Mm. Rishpa Pant, to me, is Adam Gilchrist. But, you know, younger and from India. Yeah. Like, his fearlessness, his ability to take on bowling and, like, you know, they'd bring the field up and then he'd hit over the top. They'd push the field back and he'd just, like, run a few singles. He was... And even says the other thing, man, so as you can imagine, and I'm sure you've seen, the Australian media, the Australian cricketing media has absolutely gone mental in the last couple of days. Um, and that's coming right down the chain to our dear friend Chris Barty, who, who in a number oh, of yeah. chats has called for wholesale changes to the Australian cricket team. Yeah, that tends to happen. He does that a lot anyway, though. So, so let me guess, Sean Marsh? <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> You can't get worse, surely. Let it go, buddy. <laughs> Let it go. But um, the thing was, India didn't give us a chance on that final day. Like, on the final day's play at the Gabba, 
on the day five pitch, like there was the one um, half a chance of a stumping that Payne missed. And outside of that, they were behind everything. Like they were either letting it go or behind it all day. Pajara did that for 200 balls. Yeah. He literally got behind it. I think they counted 10 blows and they reckon he probably broke his finger and just, just kept batting. There was nothing going to stop him. Uh, Except for the LB with the very fractional umpire's uh, call. He what do you make of all closer. of that, Jai? I, I think, I think Warney's got a point that the umpire's call is just confusing everything because you've got the same ball can go both ways. I do understand the technology point that there's a margin of error and it could very well be missing even if it looks like it's hitting. But I'm a little bit concerned about saying we should trust the umpire if there's a margin for error in the technology because the only reason we've got the technology is because we think the umpire's margin for error is too big. Mm. So which is the lesser of two evils? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, do we say that anything's hitting the wicket is out and that anything is not? Like, I really get that the umpire's yeah. calls sort of giving it a bob each way, but the one that there was one that got somebody out which had less of the ball contacting the stumps than one which had been turned down before yeah. that and that's that happens a lot and i can see scientifically why that happens and i think it's probably correct to have the umpire's call but the trouble is spectators don't always understand that and half the commentary then turns out the commentators having to explain how the rule works so do we go with what looks like certainty and just make everything looks out on the projection out or do we go with what should be fair. And I don't think the ICC has got a great track record in going with what's logical. So pretty much I'll just wait for them to make their call and then I'll bag them, whatever it is. Well, I, I heard as well recently they're considering changing the laws around bounces, which I think if they do that, then yeah. we're really screwed <clears throat> as Australians. But also well, I think cricket will we'll lose just have a bat- The batsmen will just score a 1,000 in every innings. You've got to let the poor bowlers have something, surely. Do you know what? This is a random Pat's grade cricket story, Jai, but um, we're in the mm-hmm. middle of a two-dayer at the moment in my sixth-grade team. And oh, yeah. I, I have a, there's a bloke, classic, who's from a third grade side who's come down a couple oh, of grades and it's absolutely... And he thinks he's brilliant. And, and he is genuinely, Jai, he's, he's really genuinely quite good. He's, he's smashing yeah. me everywhere. But he's walking <laughs> down the wicket at me and um, oh, just smashing me all over the joint. He's like Matthew Hayden, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and the only thing I have is to try and bounce <clears throat> this guy out. And if I don't... <laughs> And I can't really bounce people and I don't bowl very fast. But if if bowlers don't have that in their toolkit, there's nothing to stop batsmen from getting even more audacious than they are currently. Um, if anything, yeah. I feel like the game needs to be tilted more in the favour of bowlers, but maybe that's just because I'm a quick. Um, what, do you, what do you think? Well, uh, firstly, I want to maybe quibble on the word quick, but we'll, we'll move <laughs> I, I haven't seen you play, but from the stories I've heard, maybe overselling yourself there. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you approach me so accurately? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I I think we should make a few things. I also think we should um, stop being so forensic about boundaries and um, trying to work out whether the fielder's foot is touching the rope at the same time his hand is touching the ball. I think we should just have the – if it passes the the rope, it's a four, and if the fielder holds it back, even if he's leaning on the fence, just get on with the game. Yeah. I think we're wasting too much time trying to get a couple more runs for batsmen. Yeah, and screw Batsman. I love this idea. Keep going. Uh, and that's all I've got so far. 
I mean, the, Australia tried the sandpaper thing, but I'm not familiar with Oh, I don't mention the war. We've got to go back to South Africa. Come on. But I've got a little suggestion for you with your third grade mate. Oh, yeah. Um, because the other thing that a bowler can do in that situation is, of course, bring the keeper up to the stumps. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. if your keeper's got some great banter, oh. um, then that could make an interesting uh, experience. So maybe he could suggest to this guy that no one in his team likes him. <laughs> And that there, he's got more friends in that team than that guy has. Jeez, that chat. The classics from, like that. From Tim Payne yeah, was it, poor, wasn't it? It was, it was disappointing given the heights of last tour where there was the whole, you know, do you babysit? Maybe you could look after my little ones while the missus and me go out. That was, that was quality that stuff. That was and good stuff. It was, it was sad. It was like a, a comedy show that's maybe been commissioned for one too many series and it's run out of ideas. And, and this brings me back to Njinka Rahane, right? So... I was listening to Ishigua talk today, and I, I'm a big fan of Isha. I think she's really got a, her money on, on it. She's she's really on top of it. And yeah. she was saying that the thing that separates Njinka Rahane is how cool and calm he is, even when the stakes are really high. And yeah. that same quality was something that I really loved about Tim Payne, that whenever yeah. things got really out of hand or really intense, Payne was always cool and calm, and he had belief and faith. And this tour, we saw him get rattled. And when he got rattled, he made poor decisions and wasn't able to catch. And I think that's something to note. While his opposite number was so cool and calm and collected. Um, and I think that really saw Rahane through. You know, like, he made such good choices. He made such brilliant field settings. His bowlers bowled so well. It, it's, it's really hard to... It, that's the way to captain, clearly, you know? Absolutely. And that's the one thing I got right in my tour prediction. He <laughs> was calm, collected, and statesmanlike. So at least I'm not completely wrong about everything. But that was what I really liked. And I don't think you can dump Virat Kohli as captain, but I really want to see Rahane captaining more matches because I love the way he stays in the moment and doesn't get his motions ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really do think that Payne's chat there was Poor. And the behaviour, generally speaking, was a bit poor. It, it reminded me of what Australia was like before Payne came to the helm. Not to say yeah. that we are angels by any sense. Like, Australian teams are always going to be assholes. Like, being an asshole is our whole thing. Um, but, yeah, it was bad. It was really bad, I thought. It was, it was definitely a step backwards. I was very impressed with his press conference, though, where he just came out and owned it and said, yeah, I was... Top, terrible behind the stumps and I deserved the drop catch everybody was laughing at me mm. I think it, it compared very favourably with Steve Smith's press conference in the sandpaper incident where he tried to buy it then he tried to justify it and no one was buying that yeah so I, I don't like the way Payne acted but I like the way that he he, um, he put his big boy pants on and, and faced up to the media especially when he wasn't even booked in for that press conference he decided I'm the one who's going to face the questions uh, because it's about my performance yeah completely and, and Jai just turning towards India for a second, because I could talk about Australia, and I, I'm sure I will again, but you must have been really pleased with this whole number four situation, right? You've been talking to, about number four for so long, Jai, and the most unexpected person came in and solved that problem for you. Yeah, and that's another thing I got wrong. So I was based on the tour <laughs> matches thinking that Hanuma Vihari was going to bat at four, and I thought that's a good pick because he bats at number three in domestic cricket, Rahane should bat at five and play the Steve Waugh uh, role. But no, Rahane said, no, if anyone's going to go up and take the responsibility, it's me. And he played all sorts of innings. He played the 
the captain's hundred. He played the betting in on the final innings, and then when it was time to show that we're going to win this last test, uh, the commentators were saying you've got to get Rishabh Pant in there as the pinch hitter, and Rahane said, "No, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to attack." Yeah, he yeah. just did everything. Yeah, he showed so much versatility. I mean, does he? You've watched so much more Indian cricket than I have, Jai. Does he do that? Can he play and change those gears when he's not captaining the side? He used to. His his thing he used to be able to do was come in and counter attack, and mm. so he's not an he's not an ultra aggressive batsman. He usually has a strike rate of fifty, but he'd usually come in and make say twenty from his first twenty five balls, get the field out, and then he'd start milking it. Over the last four years, and I think it's because he's played too much limited overs, he's been caught in two minds over-attacking or getting too defensive, and he usually gives several chances in his first 10 balls. I think the captaincy somehow got him back to his own way of being because he was the one in charge. He could be the leader. Yeah. And maybe he was trying to play Coley's counter-attacking role because Coley's the captain. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that does and, make yeah. sense. In a way, I'm very impressed with the way he managed to mould a team in his own image for three tests. Obviously, he was helped by the fact that the team changed so many times that there was hardly anyone left. <laughs> anyway, I saw a stat that only Pujara and Rahane played all four tests. I mean, Every other person played three or fewer. Dude, that is insane. So like, we've got the list of in- injuries here. Hit pretty me. much the whole team. Injuries and paternity leave. So Kohli missed three tests. Ishan Sharma missed four tests. Rohit Sharma missed two tests and he came straight from hard quarantine into the Boxing Day test, having never opened overseas before in a red ball test. A red, red ball match, even first class. Mohamed Shami missed three tests. Jadeja missed two tests and he couldn't bowl in one innings with his broken thumb. Bihari missed one test and he had a torn hamstring during another innings. Oh. Ashwin missed one test and had back spasms during another innings. Yeah, see you with and, the number. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Payne saw him. And did you see there was a little tweet there from Ashwin saying, you the know, entire... thanks, thanks, Payne. Yeah, thanks for coming. It was good to see you at the Gabba. <laughs> the entire of India has been treating, <laughs> treating Tim Payne about that sledge. <laughs> I think he's learned a very important lesson there. He's never going to let it down. No, he's not. Keep going. <laughs> Uh, Boomer missed the test. Uh, Pant missed one innings with an elbow injury. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I've got scribble handwritten notes and I've actually run out of room and it's now going down into the corner. Umesh <laughs> Yadav missed two tests and one innings. And Navdeep Saini missed an innings as well. That's 11, Joe. So that's think, a full yeah, side. Yeah, that's, that's a full team. I, I just don't know how you go from having a, a whole team out ruled out to going and winning a series it's astonishing isn't it and maybe something of that was there was nothing to lose there's no shame you just play your natural game so you've got no expectations you've got the last test the bowlers there between them had four caps and one of those caps was a guy who technically played the test but actually bowled 10 overs and then limped off yeah so you pretty much got three caps between five bowlers and Jai, on the bowlers, how phenomenal was Mohammad Siraj? Like, yeah, he, he's he's just shown what can be done because India's fast bowlers usually have a lot of talent and they lack discipline. So you think mm-hmm. of Mish Yadav and Navdeep Sani; they can take wickets, but they'll go for six and over. Yeah, but Siraj has been on the India A circuit for a long time, and 
he just looked ready for test cricket. He had discipline. He played so many different roles. He was the reserve. He was the first change. He bowled behind the spinner so that he didn't, didn't get too nervous. That was a good move from Rahane. Mm. Then he shared the new ball with the infinitely more experienced Boomer, who's only played 17 tests, if we uh, remember. Boomer's he seems only like played he's been 17 around. tests? He's only played 17 tests. What? Um, but he just has this air of an elder statesman. Yeah, wow. And astonishingly, when he pulled out, Siraj, playing his third test, also adopted that air. Yeah. And he looked like the leader of the attack. Yeah. I mean, him bowling to David Warner, opening the bowling at Brisbane, you'd have thought that guy had played 80 tests. Like, Absolutely. His line lengths were immaculate. He swung the ball. He seamed the ball. Uh, he has a good bouncer. And he's crafty, mate. He's crafty as all get out. Like, it's an incredible find for India. And, and the story is amazing. So, obviously, you would know because it's been all over the media. His father passed away just before the test tour was starting. Oh. And he was already in Australia. And he was considering going home, obviously. And his mother said, uh, no, he wanted to see you play, bring his dream to life. Stay there, represent the country. Wow. Wow. I mean, I can't wait for the film adaptation, frankly. Um, get Dev Patel in there, playing Siraj. <laughs> That's going to be a wonderful thing. Um, Netflix, if you're listening, um, commission a writer. Like, that I, is... think it, I think a TV series, there are so many stories here that you need an episode per story. Mm. Mm. Any others jump to mind? Uh, well, the big story <clears throat> is India batting through the fifth day of two tests. Yeah. So I need to give you a little bit of context for why this Please. is such a big deal for India. So... We'll go back to 28th of March, 2005. Okay. A dark day for Indian cricket. What so, happened? India's playing Pakistan at Bangalore, uh-huh. which is now Beng- Bengaluru. They, they're 25 for none. They need to bat out a day against Pakistan, or they need to score 347 to win. Mm. Now, Verona Sewag's in there, so 347. No problem. Two, three sessions, easy. He gets run out. Dravid and Tendulkar freeze like deer in headlights and India are bowled out in 84 overs for 214. Oof. Looking at the attack, you won't have heard of most of these guys. So you've got Muhammad Sami. Okay, yep. His career figures, 85 wickets of 52.74 in 36 tests. Oof. Yikes. He had a lot of talent after Wasim and Waqar for Pakistan and he was probably the biggest unfulfilled talent there's ever been. Mm-hmm. You got Abdul Razak, 100 wickets at yep. 36.94. He's pretty good. Dan- Danish Canaria, 261 at 34.79 and a spot fixing conviction. <laughs> yep. You got Shahid Afridi, 48 wickets at 35.6, and Arshad Khan, 32 wickets at 30 and nine tests over five years. This is a very pedestrian attack. Yeah. This is what causes PTSD in Indian fans when they have to bat out the, f- the final day. That and then there was another incident a couple of years later at Cape Town. Pretty much the same thing happened. As a result, you go into the final day, and as long as the opposition, if the opposition bats through two sessions, you're pretty confident. But if India has to bat through three, you think, oh, it's not going to happen. And part of that was the instinct was play for the draw. We can't win. Yeah. And once you are playing for the draw, you're low hanging fruit for opposition bowlers to pick off. And that comes back to. That test, I think it was early um, early two thousands, where Michael Clark got three wickets in and over bowling his yeah, left armers at the SCG. The one, yeah, I forgot that one. That's that was that was another sorry day. 
which is kind of the thing just to give, uh, like, that's what I was expecting to happen here. Like, I was like, watching this last day of play, being like, sure, Pajara's in now, and he'll be around for a while, but we'll do something, something magical will happen, and we'll win out of nowhere uh, at the very end. And yeah. and and we 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 didn't, you know, we got freaking rolled. Anyway, sorry, Jai, you're on a train of thought. Please continue. So that so I pretty much can completed the the train of thought, and you added to it with the Michael Clark over which I've been trying to forget for the last <laughs> twelve years. Um, so, so thanks for that. You're also, so like to, like, also like to point out that Ravel Driver was given out wrongly in that um, that inning. So this mm-hmm. shows also the luck. Um, so the luck was with India in a couple of those incidents with, you know, Pant being dropped was it two or three times by pain. Um, so it could, it could have gone the other way. That, that, that's test cricket. Um, so I, I think- wouldn't go too much. Australia had some chances as well. We definitely did. We definitely did. And I think Australia suffered from Mitchell Stark not being his normal self. And by the time he was at the Gabba, that bloke was knackered. Like, yeah. he was bowling 135 kilometres an hour and he was very, and very he was, wayward. he was getting tonked. He was getting smashed. And, and I'd also say that, unfortunately, Nathan Lyon was um, not at his best either. So yeah. he was bowling into the pads. When he bowled outside off at Brisbane on the final day, he looked like a wicket taker. He totally did. I don't know why. And he, he did it maybe two or three times. Yeah. And spent and so long. As a result, it was just Cummins and Hazelwood yeah. grinding themselves into the dust. Yeah. After four tests, and that was where India's injuries actually helped them because everybody was fresh. Yeah. The Australians, unfortunately, were in that opposite of a sweet spot where they didn't get injured, but they were so tired. That was. They played so many tests. And mate, like you can see it, you can see it in the numbers too. So. Paddy Cummins got 21 wickets at 20 and deservedly got, got player of the match. I mean, player of the series. Of the series. But yeah. you'd, you'd be thinking to yourself that it'd actually be, you know, Richard Pant would actually give him a really red-hot run there, um, I think. Like, Pant nearly turned the game. And the, to think of... Sorry, yeah, I keep coming back to this, but to think they got rolled in Adelaide for 36 and then came back and won in Melbourne, like... It's astonishing, isn't it? You'd say, well, it was a completely different team. The weird thing was that was actually the stronger team. You could understand if it was the last test they got rolled for 36 with all the injuries, no one having played in Australia before. Yeah. It's the opposite of everything that should have happened. But apparently the way they dealt with it was they just said, well, it was a freak. And it was a freakish event because they lost nine wickets and there were only 32 shots where they were out of control. So... You don't expect to be rolled for 36. And I saw an interview with um, Hanuman Bihari recently, and he said that that's something that happens once every 60 years. So we just said, there's no point talking about it. Let's move on. And they didn't talk about it at all. Which and is, that shows the mental strength. It's actually probably brilliant. Because I reckon when a similar thing happened to Australia in the UK, where Stuart Broad absolutely ripped our hearts oh, yeah, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Broad 8 for 15. Aussies bowled out 60. Is that the, that's yeah. Those the figures? Yeah, I think it was get, something. Get Tom like K. Hawkey in and he'll... he'll yeah, I, I'm sure Tom K. Hawkey is just salivating thinking about it. But oh, yeah. I think we dissected that so much and we all went mental about it. Um that we let that get in our heads and, and from there on in Australia in that test series was just gone. And I think India's tactic of just going, all right, well, that happens once every 60 years. Let's not worry about it. We've got a whole new team. We've got a whole new opportunity here. And 
um, in Melbourne. And again, that man, Rahane, just battered out of his skin, you know, moved himself up the order. And, and, and mate, like the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was how great these openers are. I mean, Gil, this yeah, kid. they finally got the right openers. So India have been through. That, that, we, we can play um, opening partnerships, top trumps here. So <laughs> okay, great. How many, did, how many did the Aussies have? Ooh, uh, we had, what, six, five? We had Burns, Warner, Harris, Pekovsky, Wade, five. Yeah. So India had Shaw, Agarwal, Gill, and Rohit. But there were three different combinations of them. And then on the last tour, there were quite a few combinations as well. And finally, they've hit on two originally touted as middle order batsmen. So Rohit Sharma obviously played in the middle order for years and years, came up to the top in white ball for some reason and dominated there. And then they couldn't find him a place in the test team. So they said, why don't you try opening? He made a few hundreds in the Indian home uh, season against South Africa. Mm-hmm. And... They said, well, that's enough. You're on the plane. And he was on the plane very late in hotel, comes out, looks like he belongs there. And then Shubman Gill uh, in the 2018 uh, Under-19 World Cup, he was batting at three. Really? So he was he was one of the options. And Chris Shaw was his captain opening the innings. Ugh, what? So those two went two together, uh, went through together at Under-19, but, but Shaw was the opener. So when I first saw Shubman Gill in... Ranji Trophy first-class cricket batting as an opener, I thought, what, what's happened here? It turns out he was originally an opener, but he could play either role. So he was originally one of the many candidates for number four. Aha! So there's a bit of debate, should he be in the middle order or the, the top order at the moment? Well, uh, or in, in the long run. But at the moment, the way he batted, the he's way got to he be batted. the opener for the next 10 years. Completely, and I think him and Rowett are a really great partnership. You know, like, they they did kind of give me Langer and Hayden vibes, if I'm honest yeah. with you. Like, I think Rowett's got that confidence now mm. that he just didn't have before. He used to have the no-hit um, nickname, if you remember. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> and then, and then, then, he's, then they, now they call him the hitman. Yeah, right. And he's just got that confidence. He just turns up there. He looks like he might have a concealed weapon. <laughs> he does, actually. Yeah, I can, I can totally there's, see there's a, there's a swagger to him. There's almost Viv Richards. I might yeah. be slightly overstating this because I've got to, I've got to be excited. Well, I mean, Jai, why wouldn't you be excited, pal? Why wouldn't you be excited? And, and I think... Gil's going to be a 100-test player for India. He stays fit, mate. Yeah. He yeah. He's so classy and he's he so is, fearless. He's the India's answer to Manas Labashain in that yeah. you know, young player turns up and just looks like he owns the place immediately. And, uh, like, I think Manas... I mean, Manas ended up on the top of the run scoring, I think. Yeah, there you go, 426 runs and an average of 53. And yeah. the second top run scorer is Smith, right? But from yeah. there, it's Pant, Pajara, Rahane, Shubman, Gill. Our next top scorer for Australia with a bat is Cameron Green, who, yeah. after four matches, had bloody 236 runs with a high score of 84. Like, and he did look good. We should talk about him a little bit. Well, I, th- I, I, mate, like, what a dream. What a dream to have this um, unicorn of a player arrive who can take an amazing grab. He bowls 140 kilometres an hour, and he's a really solid bat. 
he looks classy. Um, he 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 made a hundred in the the tour match as well. So it's not like he came in with no performances, just on the promise of being the next all rounder. He's actually got the numbers and the performances. And and it looks like. For once, for once in our life as as Australians, for Cricket Australia, it looks like they're actually going to try and manage his workload, which we have broken so many all-rounders in this country. We get an all-rounder in, we break him in half, you know. Yeah, like, you, you break down and look looking for spare parts. <laughs> yeah. We're like, yeah, we're going right back. We, we we do that. And I think it's, it's so wonderful to have a guy, and we actually saw this with both teams, to have these new young 20 year old players early 20s players who are coming in and performing at a really high level and i think that 84 that he made in sydney particularly the back half of that where he really put the hammer down and started getting that front foot out of the way and hitting down the ground um was incredibly impressive um and i I, he showed showed the the temperament for a six but the thing that impressed me most looking at this that's is his series strike rate was 40 yeah which means he's not just a slogger he was playing long, mature innings. Yeah. In a team that was struggling for that. If you look at the partnerships, the top four are all Indian partnerships, yeah. highest partnerships in the series. So the, the problem Australia had was they couldn't get two people batting well at the same time. Completely. And it, India exposed how dependent we are on Smith and Labuschagne. You know, both yeah. of those players are, are incredibly good. You know, they're both averaging in the 60s. But if they don't have somebody to bat with... We're in, we're in trouble, you know, and and I, again we we come back to Pajara here, mate. Like, what Pajara gives Coley is he gives somebody down the other end who can be there for a day. So you could have been. Have you got a camera in my house? Because I've got some notes here, and you have perfectly segued into the point I wanted to make. Thank you so much, Guy. This is just being a professional. Put it on a tee for me. It's just it's just being very good at what I do. Um, what was your point? <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that bit out because will, you mentioned No, that. no, I will not, sir. I will no. not. So I've got something from Crick Info. The most test balls faced in Australia since 2018. Oh. So Manus Labuschagne, 2,586 um, balls in 12 tests. Okay. So that's 215 per test. Mm. Number two on the list, astonishingly, is Chitashwara Pujara. He's only played eight tests. He's only played two of the three seasons. He's faced 2,177 balls in eight tests. That's 272 balls every test. Oh, my God. And then you've got a big jump down to the next one, which is Travis Head, 1,672 in 13 tests and only 128 per test. Jeez. Then you've got Smith and Warner. Smith is 1,471 in nine at 163, and Warner is 1,439 in seven at 205. And so... They obviously lower in the number of balls because they didn't play that summer uh, in 2018. Mm. So you see the the golf in Australian cricket that guys who only played two out of the three summers, Jara, Smith and Warner, are higher or comparable to Head, who's played double the amount of cricket. And then you've got Wade, Bukowski, Burns, Kawaja, all these guys, they're not on the list. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that nearly says it all. Like, we didn't bat deep enough. And, and like, you know, we batting at the Gabba, we needed a 430. We needed a 450. And we weren't able to get there. Yeah. Um, 300 and- can be a winning team, a winning score, mm. but doesn't happen that often. 
And that was the, the thing that Bujara did. He was criticised because his strike rate was only 29 in the whole series. But he provided that safety net and it was essential once Coley was gone because you had a pretty brittle batting lineup on paper. And the Massive. guys at the final word had a, a really interesting observation about uh, Brisbane and the uh, Rishabh Pant-Bujara partnership. The fact that Pant was playing for the win and Pujara at the other end was playing for the draw. <laughs> And you just don't see that. You you don't see that sort of duality in a chase. You because don't. Because usually both batsmen will shut up shop because one of them is going to confuse the other. Yeah. Or they'll both go hell for leather and get out. So it meant that they had their options open. And that is really what Gujari is. Yeah. Everybody else can play. He'll play his way. And then if it really goes badly they can all defend as well, knowing that he's used up enough deliveries that it becomes a T20 chase at the end. And that's what India had. They needed 50 from the last eight overs and they had two big overs, 27 off two overs, I think, from Stark and yeah. Lyon. I might have those people wrong. Um, and then they won with three overs to spare. Phenomenal. Pujara got out early, having made 30 off 50. You've then got bowlers trying to absorb two sessions. And that changes the game completely but Pajara didn't give us a chance mate like his knowledge of where his off stump was and the shots that he played like it was an incredible innings an incredible innings and and yeah. listen Jai as we're sort of heading towards the end here I, I just wanted to ask you about what does this mean for India moving forward to facing uh, you got England now don't you Home and away. Yeah, so that's that's going to start. I think the fifth of um, February. It's going to be interesting which players are able to turn up. Um, <laughs> the so some of the guys who were in, it's been such a long tour of injuries that some of the original injuries have now healed. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> um, I don't know whether this is going to change that much for India overall. England, obviously, at home. India have been good at home for mm. a long time. The, the old statement I think Sunil Gavaskar made in the nineties was "Tigers at home, pussy cats away." Yeah. And the big story for me is that this is the culmination of 20 years of advances by India in taking on Australia from beating the Invincibles in Kolkata after the 16 tests in a row. That was a shock. 2003, competing with Australia, fighting to a one-all draw. And that was what I thought would be the best result India's ever had and could ever hope for. And I ignored the fact that McGrath and Warren weren't playing in that series. Mm. So for India to have won back-to-back test series in Australia, I think it shifts the balance of power. Massively. And it gives India so much confidence. And to have won at the Gabba when generations of teams have been destroyed. The last time Australia lost there, you and I were babies. Yeah. And the team that beat them, we just run through it very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. Gordon Greenwich, Des Haynes, Richard Richardson, Carl Hooper, Viv Richards, Gus Logie, Jeff Dujon, Malcolm Marshall, Kurtley Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Patrick Patterson. That bowling attack would destroy anyone, <laughs> especially on a fast gather pitch. Yeah, good luck. West Indies at that point hadn't lost for nine years. It was another six years before they lost a test at all. Oh. You don't expect this hospital ward of an Indian team. <laughs> They've been in bio bubbles for five months. They have barely played a red ball match since March, and then one of the tests was a pink ball. You don't expect them to be the ones who break Australia's unbeaten run. Yeah, it's the ultimate underdog story, isn't it? And I think I it- think so. And this guy, I just hope it doesn't change the way they play, because India. it is. Yeah, it is only one result. 
I don't want them to start strutting around like they're world champions. <laughs> I think that as long as they, but I don't think they're going to. I think these guys have got where they are by doing the basics right. Completely, mate. And they keep listening to Ajinka Rahane. I, I can't see them losing much. I mean, it's going to be a great challenge to see how they go in English conditions, which are so foreign, but I can't help but feel that Siraj will be a real handful on those decks. And he puts Siraj and Boomer together, and all of a sudden, you've got a really pretty great lineup. Um, I think they've got a bowling attack that could rule the world for a few years. The weakness they always had, they had Ishan, Boomer, and Shami. They got three very good seamers, and then beyond that, they had Umesh Yadav, who's good but erratic. Mm. To have found a reserve seamer like Siraj, who is as good as the others, they can afford to have a bit of a rotation policy. Yeah, they really can, and they can go play a bit of horses for courses, which really worked out for us. Um, in uh, you know when we were in the UK many moons ago, but um, I wanted to quickly mention also like the lower order batting from India, which was oh, absolutely yeah. insane, which again will serve you very well when you're in there. Takula with that 69. I mean, honestly, it was just... I'm really blown away by it, Jai. Yeah, I was probably the only person who wasn't surprised by his innings because I've watched a bit of India's first class and he's he's actually probably a better batsman than he is a bowler. I don't like his bowling so much because he, really? he's one of these 130k seamers who thinks he can bounce people. <laughs> And that always worries me. Um, but he did bowl well, but his batting, he just had that confidence. Yeah. And it's all really about this team. It's about confidence. And mm. the team management, the, the most astonishing thing I found was that Rishabh Pant saying that he had the confidence because the management has always backed him. Yeah. And they really haven't. They drop him every time he plays a bad <laughs> shot. He's born to. They, they, they said he's born to play T20 in ODIs. They drop him from the team in favour of a batsman who took up keeping a few years ago. Yeah. They put him up and down the order. They don't know what he's doing, but somehow he's just still saying, "I know what I want to do." Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And mate, listen, like while India is heading off to go and play. England um, and all these young exciting players will hopefully get a run there Australia is heading off to return to South Africa a venue we have not a country we have not visited since the sandpaper incident um, way back in 2017 South Africa are a much different side to the team that we faced then um, and Australia are probably going to be a much different side as well I mean I really hope we can pick ourselves up off the canvas and get our life back together I really hope we see some runs out of David Warner um, and I really hope that the bowlers recover and are able to do their business. I'm expecting two changes. I'm expecting Travis Head to come in for Matthew Wade. I'm expecting uh, Mitchell Stark to be replaced with James Pattinson. Well, I know we lose that left armness, but until Starkey gets his brain back and gets his heart back and gets his line of length back um, and gets over his incredible exhaustion, his justifiable exhaustion, I will say, um, I, I think he'll may well lose his place, but it's interesting to have lost a series uh, at home at the Gabba and be thinking, well, we probably won't make any changes. It wasn't that we necessarily played badly. It's that our opposition kept playing out of their skins. They kept doing it. 
game after game, you know, Ricky Ponting said um, just before the Gabba test, he was like, something's got to give. Like, they can't keep doing this. They can't keep being this resilient. They can't keep rising to these challenges. They can't keep responding to this pressure. And to India's incredible credit, that is exactly what they did. They kept rising to that. And if they keep doing that, mate, I can't see anybody else being able to beat them if they're able to take this form and, and use it in other conditions. And I don't think anyone else would withstand the pressure. So it's like, you know, the David and Goliath story, except Goliath is just raining blows down and David is just still getting up off the ground. Yeah. And I don't see, unfortunately, the South Africans posing that degree of challenge, but that might be a bad thing for Australia because it'll let them paper over the cracks. Yeah. Admittedly, there aren't that many cracks. It's probably the second opening position, but Kukowski looks like he's got something about him. And then the number five, because Wade is unfortunately not really showing the the um the performances everybody mm. wants him to do well because it's a great story but maybe it's come a bit too late in his career he should have had the opportunities earlier and head has yeah. these double flaws where he plays outside off stump and plays outside leg stump so i'm not convinced <laughs> about him <laughs> yeah it's not great when you put it like that uh, i think he's got a test he, average. he, could, he could improve but he's he's definitely I mean, he's got a test average of nearly 40 yeah but he's He's the weak link in the batting lineup. Other Completely. than that, it's a pretty good team. Completely, and I, I think this, you know, if if Trav's able to get over those technical deficiencies, I think he'd be a great option for us. But as you say, if if the fifth wicket becomes a an easy get for an opposition, then all of a sudden we're straight into our twenty one year old. Cameron Green and Tim Payne, who yeah, he's thirty six. He's batting well. Batting but well. How long will that continue? Yeah, completely. And then the thing that really came out, the biggest um, result from the early part of the series was India managing to neutralise Steve Smith, which looked yes. completely um, against the odds given his ODI form. And so Sachin Tendulkar had come out and said they need to bowl really wide outside off because Smith shuffles across so much that if you bowl an off stump, it becomes a leg stump half volley to him. But no, they um, they did what Stephen Fleming did against Damien Martin in 2001. Huh. Martin was square driving and cutting the ball, and he said, we're going to bowl outside off with three men between cover and point. Mm. And we're going to feed that shot because we think he's going to play in the air. Yeah, And that's what India did with Smith. They put two men behind square close in on the leg side and said, you do that flick, but 50-50 will go to a fielder. Yeah, and against and that was good thinking, bowling, and captaincy massively, and execution too. And you know, Washington Sunder getting in there and bowling darts at his legs. I was like, this is a stupid idea. These are going to go, and he immediately got out, and he looked yeah, really they unsettled. Did exactly by the opposite. It. Everybody thought they should do one thing. They did another thing, and they had the courage of their convictions to do that. So, if other teams are able to do that, then that number five position in Australia becomes a big Achilles heel. Yeah, massively. If things return to normal, then you've got Smith and Labuschagne putting on heaps of runs with Warner helping out. You're never going to really care if Head or Wade doesn't make runs. Completely. It's not going to matter. But when those guys don't fire or are neutralised, all of a sudden, the Australian batting lineup looks very fragile. And we'll just have to see how that rolls out in South Africa. 
But Jai, we better put a pin in it there, my friend. Great to have you in the host chair, pal. Really, really lovely to hear your voice and, and chat to you. And um, I will check in with you again once India are no doubt taking the palms apart. Maybe we could have you and Tom Hawkey on the same call. That would rock well, that, my that would, that, that would be interesting. Uh, very interesting indeed. Um, I think Tom might struggle a bit to get as many jokes in if things aren't going well. Because... <laughs> I think, I think to be honest, he might be a bit of a flat track bully because England have played well recently, and that's fed into a lot of his humour. Um, <laughs> he might be, might, you know, he might have to become more, more like a depressive drunk if it's back like it is in the nineties when England is getting flogged. I mean, we can both dream about that, Jar. There's nothing better, even though I know you, you must love seeing Australia get spanked at home. Um, there's nothing better than beating the Poms, and I think that's something that we can all absolutely. And so, if I'm not wrong, the next tour for Australia, um, the next touring team is going to be the Poms, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they're coming. So, here. so hopefully, yeah. India will um, will give them a flogging, and then they can come and, and get another one. Oh. Uh, two boys can dream. Um, Jai Singh, thanks so much for joining us, mate. We'll hear from you real soon. It's been a pleasure, Pat. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. See you later. See ya.